in. <clears throat> yeah. Now I got something in my throat. <laughs> Damn it, you spread it. <laughs> I'm a super spreader. That's my Thanks. superpower. <laughs> All right. In three, two, one. Slum, slum, slum. Slum Gullion. We've got season two of the Slum Gullion. Jeff and Scott's girl host the Slum Gullion. I still don't know what that word means. Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to another edition of the Slum Gullion, America's only podcast. My name is Jeff. Three hours behind me is what is left of Scott. How are you feeling, Scott? Are you still with me? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm with you in spirit. The The flesh is lagging. I don't know exactly know what this is besides persistent. I, I don't think it's COVID. I honestly don't, but I, I'm contractually obliged to say, I don't think it's COVID. So that if in like three or four weeks, if it turns out it was and I'm dead, uh, you can replay that clip and it will be so unbearably poignant that everyone will cry. I will get violins to play over it as well. Yeah, because some people, I think, will be more inclined to cheer than cry. So, yeah, every little bit of emotional manipulation will help. Thank you. Better yet, no, we'll get some two cellos. We'll get two cellos version of Smooth Criminal over it. <laughs> two cellos, one cup. <laughs> Ew. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, having seen both of those entities, I don't want to combine them. <laughs> you will not get Voltron out of that. No, bad. Okay, but we are not here to talk about cellist poop. I mean, apparently we were, but we've moved on. I suggest you do the same. Oh, but I just want to say that again. We're not here to talk about cellist poop. No, we're here to talk about something much more lighthearted and entertaining. Today, dear friends, we are talking about the laugh riot that is Matt Reeves' Batman. The Batman. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The Batman. Matt Reeves is the Batman. I don't know. I, at this point, I'm not sure where the definite and indefinite articles go. I just know that they're going in the wrong spot. Although I think I would have paid money to see a three-hour Matt Reeves Batman with Adam West and Burt Ward going at it. Batman! That one had all the Batman villains. You didn't, you didn't piece them out one at a time. Oh, here's a little Riddler now. And uh, come back when, you know, we, we vaguely promise you some Joker. No, Joker... Riddler, Captain, they're all there. And they all have moments, and they're all lighthearted and entertaining, much as I said is the case with Matt Reeves' Batman, certainly the lightest of the Batman films. I like to call it a giggle fest. <laughs> My God, I think we have officially reached the apex of grime in film. You mean we've hit the dark and gritty event horizon? I think we have. Uh, <laughs> where to start with this? Well, I will say this for me. I don't know if it was the same for you, but warts and all, the movie did not feel three hours to me. No, it did not. Oh, and for you too. I didn't look at my watch. I wasn't really aware of the passage of time. And uh, I'm no dermatologist, but I, I wasn't unduly alarmed by the warts either. Yeah, that was the first thing that, that surprised me when, when, when the credits finally started. I was like, oh, Shit, that's it. Have we been? And I looked, and then I looked at my phone, and I was completely stunned. It did not feel like the three hours that it is. And how often do you think about that with long films? Well, I'd like to say something about that just up front. 
And it's partly about the Batman, but it's partly about movie making in general. And yeah, very often, if it's a very long film, you will feel it. And you will look at your watch and realize you're an old man because only old men wear watches. People who were born in this century look at their phones. And you're aware of the passage of time and go, all right, just get on with it, wrap it up. But there's a long bit of prejudice against long movies on the part of the studios because the longer the movie, the fewer showings you can cram into a single day. So they're rare for that reason. There has to be a specific purpose for it. There has to be an exploitable reason, which is why the long movies that you used to see were presented as special roadshow attractions. Sometimes they had live orchestras. They very often had intermissions. They would be subsidiary entertainment. Sometimes somebody would come up and give a speech before the show. Sometimes they'd have performers. I mean, it just it was a whole traveling circus back then for a big, big, long movie. Now, none of that exists anymore because there aren't studio ballyhoo departments who can coordinate that kind of thing. It's just not the way they do business anymore. But a lot of the people that I've been reading since this movie came out who do not like it, the opinion, at least in my circle, is very divided. Okay. Without going into specifics, some of the people certainly have sufficient attention spans to get through a long movie, disliked it specifically for its length, which is a reason, certainly. But my feeling is, and, and it has never been more pronounced than it is now, is that movies need to be as long as they need to be. Some movies need to be super short. Some movies need to be long and expansive and epic. But the reasons that they are the length that they are oftentimes have nothing to do with creative decisions made by the actual filmmakers. Because people go, you know, long movies, that's Michael Cimino land. That's just a sign of, a, of an artist who's high in his own supply and he's lost all perspective and thinks that everything he shoots is a masterpiece and deserves to be seen at the greatest possible length. Okay, that's true in some cases. Absolutely. There, there have been some movies where I thought, you know, you could cut, well, I mean, I'll take an innocuous example of a movie that people generally like that I almost liked. And that's Love Actually. Because it, yeah. had, it had two too many stories. Trim two of those stories, I would have enjoyed everything in that movie. But the other thing is, people don't acknowledge this enough, that oftentimes the length of a movie is dictated not by the filmmakers, not even by necessarily audience reaction. It's decided by bean counters in the front office. So, you know, who do you want making the creative decisions for the movies you see? Do you want the filmmakers? Do you want the, the film funders making it? Because they, they will say, well, we have legitimate concerns about recouping our investment. Okay, fine. That's a reason. Not a reason I care about while I'm watching the movie. I am not concerned about your investment portfolio, sir. I am more concerned about what the film is saying and if it's saying it in a way that I can relate to. So I don't want to really hear about the length of the movie as a criticism. If you disliked it, then yes, every extra second of it, I'm sure, is torture for you. If you, <laughs> if you liked it like I did, give me more. I was with the movie. I don't know how much longer I could have gone just because when I got up, I was experiencing, shall we say, serious lividity in the nether regions. But a numb butt syndrome aside, the story had me. I was I was more than happy to visit that particular Gotham. I may not have bladder problems, but yeah, when I sat up, my, uh, my pee bag was full. Let's just leave it at that. You know, your reviews should employ a pee bag scale. Like, how full you'd let your bag get with this with a particular movie. Like, oh, I'd let my bag get maybe halfway full with this movie. And then I go, ah, I'm gonna go empty it. But like, no, that's a full that's a full pee bag movie. 
<laughs> and and yes, I can I can I, I can say Batman the Batman was a a, a, a full pea bag movie. Um I honestly I really don't know where to start. Like I told Scott in a text, I said if I had liked Zoe Kravitz just that much more, this could have been my favorite Batman film. Mm, okay. Michelle Pfeiffer is still my Catwoman, so Batman Returns is still my Batman movie. But but this came close. This is the first time since the Tim Burton films where I felt like it truly felt like Gotham City was in another world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will just say that my reaction to Zoe Kravitz was very different. I actually liked her quite a bit. Now, do I think she was better than the other cat women? I really dislike judging acting like it's a horse race. Um, <laughs> so I don't think that that's valid. Here's the thing. If you had taken Michelle Pfeiffer's delightfully campy yet controlled performance in the Tim Burton Batman Returns and put her in this movie, she would have looked like Faye Dunaway in Mommy Dearest. Oh, God, she would have been Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin. Even better example, yes, exactly. Whereas if you'd taken Zoe Kravitz and dumped her in that movie, she would have just disappeared. Yes. She would have just faded. But her performance was well calibrated for this film and its tone. So I think it's impossible to compare the performances for that reason alone, because there were such different approaches to Batman and Batman's franchisees that I don't know that a, a valid comparison will be in any way illuminating or possible. I think, in my opinion, it was the best part that any Catwoman has ever had. Okay. Because it, right. she actually had something to do with the plot. She was, in fact, integral to the plot and its unfolding. Whereas, as much as I love, and I absolutely love, Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns, she wasn't even the villain. And her role was kind of nebulous. Was she there to be Batman's squeeze? Was she there to make him question his role? By and large, it's just she was just there to steal focus and did it brilliantly. <laughs> Whereas this Batwoman, this Selina Kyle, was, you know, a vital cog in the plot machine. And had you removed her, you would have had to replace her with something else because the movie wouldn't have worked otherwise. I, I will say, as and like I said, I, I, in no way, shape, or form am I dissing what uh, Zoe Kravitz said. I, I liked her as well. Like I said, I mean, the the uh, my my complaints about the film are are piddling at best. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> no, I, it was it was the effect. How how would you describe this? All right, especially Batman Returns, even more so than um, the original Batman, because Batman Returns, that was Tim Burton allowing to do what he wanted to do. So it was very much his movie. It was very, you know, visually, even Gotham had changed a little bit. That movie, for lack of a better word, everything about Batman Returns knocked me on my ass when it came out. And I was a fan of the first one, but I was like, okay, now this is a Batman movie for me. We've got the normal Batman film. Now we got the weird shit. This, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, Tim Burton's first Batman kind of felt otherworldly, but that's the one where it's like, yeah, Gotham City is in its own universe. And I kind of like that take occasionally. I have no problem with the... Uh, 
Gotham, you know, Metropolis being a, 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 a lake across from each other. That didn't bother me that much. But I like it. I like it when Gotham City has more of a mythic quality to it. And this film, Gotham is definitely mythic. <laughs> it is. And grimy. It, it is, although it doesn't have the, the the 70s feel that Joker's Gotham had. True. Which is fine, because the, a little of that goes a very long way. I lived in the 70s, don't need to visit. Yeah, the aesthetic of Gotham in Tim Burton's, especially the first film, apparently really appealed to the guys who made uh, Batman the animated series, because they kind of stole that, that sort mm-hmm. of deco, streamlined modern, frozen and amber period. Like, the culture just went so far... And then no further. And we were just, okay, we're all going to dress like we're in the 40s. And everything's going to look like the Empire State Building. Uh, I was, you know, fine with that. It's a distancing thing in live action. It's saying, okay, this this is very much taking place in a, in a world not your own. Enjoy your visit. Please exit through the gift shop. But this felt less like that. So, somebody said Gotham in Tim Burton's movies looked very much like a movie set. And I think that's true because I think that was yeah. deliberate. I, I don't yep. think he was trying to fool anybody. But this feels like the greatest hits of the worst part of New York. <laughs> it's like everything was in that was stuff you could have seen at one point, including the elevated trains, you know, how that turns the street even at high noon into this twilight world, the industrial feel of it, all the alleys, it's always raining. So it got me in that respect right away. I liked that they were going with that and not trying to make it a period. I mean, Joker was very much the 70s. There was no question about that. But this was more more really than the Gotham in um, Nolan's films. I felt like this was a specific place that had specific problems that would haunt somebody. Oddly enough, I don't remember much about the Gotham in Nolan's films. He didn't really bother to personalize it that much. No, it was basically Chicago. It was basically <laughs> Chicago with the rivers and the islands and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I'm i going to get criticism for this, and I'm fine with that. But I feel like the Nolan films are wildly overpraised. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean I don't think they were good. That doesn't mean I don't think parts of them are great. But parts of them are laughable. And, and I'm not just talking about Christian Bale's angry, I'm wearing a rubber suit, and it's making me sweaty and angry voice. I just want to say, you know what? Your villains use voice changers all the time. Why don't you just put one in your suit, your high-tech suit, instead of talking like somebody's squeezing your balls? That would have been a note had I been in any production league. I mean, they're fine. I I, I like Batman Begins a lot. Uh, I think it's an interesting companion piece to this, which is Batman Year One, but Batman Year Two. I think the last one, The Dark Knight Rises, was garbage, frankly. (laughs) The Dark Knight is... Fine. I like it. Keith Ledger's, it's a legitimately legendary performance. That's probably the one I like best and certainly gave us a great villain. They say that superhero movies are only as good as their villains. Well, the villains here were very, I don't want to say blah, but they were very human and not at all theatrical in the Batman manner. Because, I mean, we really thought that Riddler was the villain. Turns out he's not ultimately the bad guy, which was an interesting twist, I thought. Because it was actually some boring guy in a suit who was behind it all. Which is, who's behind most crime in the world? Was, yeah. You know, going, going back to Balzac's observation that behind every great fortune is a great crime. 
But since you uh, you officially brought him up, let's talk about Paul da- uh, Dano, Dano. Dano. Bueno, guano, potato, potato, for for a moment. This is definitely not Frank Gorsham. This isn't even John Aston, which that shocked me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think this was well chosen, and I'll tell you why. Because the comics make a huge deal and have for years and years about how the Joker thinks he and Batman are mirror images of each other. You're me after one bad day. That famous formulation. And I don't think that's true at all, other than the fact that they're both flashy dressers. I mean, the Joker is is an unfunny comic and a nihilist. So that's like making Dennis Miller your villain. It just doesn't work for me. God. But the Riddler is all cerebral. When he's firing those riddles and Batman is immediately going, it's justice. The answer is justice. So this and it's to that. He's just for those moments. It's just like those are the only two people in the room, even though only one of them is in the room. He's figuring out the riddles. It's it's almost like, oh, you know, in some way, these two were meant for each other. Way more so than the Joker. The Joker, I never got. I, I got him as, as the perhaps the ultimate antagonist because he really doesn't give a shit about anything. So he's totally unpredictable. But I never thought he was in any way a mirror of Batman. Maybe I just maybe I just don't get it. But I thought the the, the Riddler as a Zodiac like serial killer was a terrific way to introduce this level of of grit and grime and reality into the Batman universe. And I freely admit that my judgment here is not 100% dispassionate because I was a kid when that stuff was going on in California. Right. The Zodiac Killer, the Zebra Killings, the, the Hillside Strangler, all that stuff, all, all of the, the California flavors of serial killers. So whenever you start seeing a bunch of cops pouring over a cipher, it just immediately makes me feel icky. So, you know, kudos to Matt Reed. I don't know much of uh, Paul Dano's work. I know of him, but I, I haven't seen a lot. So I went into this with absolutely, I was like, okay, don't know what you're going to do. Uh, I, I don't know what you've done. Hit me. And I really, really like this take. Again, when I heard they were going when, when I had heard, this is basically seven with Batman. I was like, some people were complaining about that. And I'm like, why? This is a cool thing. And they nailed that absolutely perfectly. My one minor complaint, I because I, I have to bring it up right at the moment. I really, and I didn't like this in the comic either. I really did not like Catwoman's ma- mask. Her pussy mask? Yes. I thought it was okay. It's, it, ah, I can be argued. I'm just like, I totally get it. I understand it. it just, I just think it looks dopey to me. <laughs> okay. Did, did Now, I'm surprised that you didn't recognize Paul Dano. Did, did you see Little Miss Sunshine? Yes. He, he's in that. Did, did you see There Will Be Blood? Yes. Okay, he's, he's the preacher in that. Oh, okay. All that, right. Who gets right. beaten to death. He played uh, Brian Wilson in Love and Mercy. Mostly what he's done are, are independent films. Right, right, right. No, I, I, I knew he existed. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not feel this, this film authenticates the existence of Paul Dano. I, I require further data. Dano data. I, I, I wasn't denying his ability to be. <laughs> Although, maybe I should start. No. Uh, yeah. no, but I mean, I was, I really did like this take again. Ain't my Riddler? Uh, to me, this is even more so. It's like, I... Now I want I wanted to see Frank Gorshin in his suit play this part. Hmm. Hmm. Well, we've seen Frank Gorshin play it low key 
He can be low-key. In uh, Hot Rod Girl, specifically. <laughs> where he was the, I guess, the comic relief, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, more or less. More or less. <laughs> I mean, n- nothing he did was comic and provided no relief. But I feel like that's what they were going uh, some, for. Right, right, right. And then what was what was the other one? Invasion of the Saucer Man. Mm-hmm. That's right. He, he plays the part which, in the Larry Buchanan remake, is the most loathsome character in in motion picture history, the oily guy. I guess they really had to hunt around for an actor who could, who could take that part to its lubricious extreme. And they did. <laughs> they found the guy. And speaking of, I want to, I, I have to give shout outs to quite probably my, my, my favorite part of the Batman. Uh, surprisingly, my favorite part of the Batman, I will say it again. Holy fuck, Colin Farrell. Yeah, I mean... What what astonishes me about that is not how invisible he was beneath that makeup. It's that, geez, you've established that makeup as your, the look for your penguin now, and you're going to do a TV series? Get used to the makeup chair, dude. Make sure you bring your yep. AirPods with you, because you're going to be there with your eyes closed and people gluing latex to your face for four hours a day. Every moment he was on screen, he made me so happy. Me too, except and, and then I, I felt sad for him because I read later that he had wanted desperately to have a cigar. Yep. And the studio wouldn't let him. It's just, fuck you. See, again, yep. studio interference in a creative decision. That role with that voice and that look and the way he was dressed cried out for a cigar. We'll I'm see so- if he smokes in the show. We'll see if he smokes in the show. Well, they're not going to let him do it in a movie. They're probably not going to let him do it on TV. Is it even TV now? I guess we receive it through our TVs, but it's streaming it's the internet it's that other i don't know it's tv 2.0 yes but colin farrell was terrific i i really enjoyed his performance and he was funny he was scary and funny that's the thing people saying there's no humor in the movie and i'm like what (laughs) i mean it's kind of mean-spirited i'm sorry the thumb drive i have to say that again it's it's mean-spirited but (laughs) but it was funny and, and jim gordon Spoke for us all when he says, oh, this guy's hilarious. <laughs> Let us not spare any love for Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. You beat me to it. I was just, that's what I was going to interrupt with. Absolutely. Great Gordon. Uh, great Gordon Batman relationship. Excuse me. Great Gordon the Batman relationship. I really, really like the fact that we did not get much of emo Bruce Wayne. I yeah, like we- the fact that he was Batman for like, most of the movie. Most of the movie. Yeah, the, this was a, not a movie that was afraid to keep the mask on its high-priced lead actor. And part of that, I think, was was the way that they really committed to the, the blackout makeup around the eyes. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of shots that were only him looking at things, giving yes. people side eye. I mean, yep. you, so much of the story was told by what was happening to his eyes. Like, oh, he's noticed something. Or... Oh, yeah, he doesn't like that. The cut of the mask allowed his eyes to be very expressive, and they went with that. In fact, I'm not sure which movie has more silent reaction shots from the main character, the Batman, or the latest Dune. (laughs) Ow, but appropriate. Another thing I would like to know, because I thought it was great, brilliantly done, I really want to know who mo-capped the Alfred role because the CGI was incredible. I thought he was real. There was no Uncanny Valley at all. The performance was so physical. 
Well, Andy Circus, man, his oh, is him? Well, incredible. no wonder. Okay, because I totally bought yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, he was in a suit for three months. Oh, well, you know, paid off. God, and he was also Zoe Kravitz for a couple of scenes. Well, that you could tell. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I I was genuinely surprised by how into this film I was. What I, were you I, expecting? I, I, Meh, a, a, a Batman movie. <laughs> Again, I'm like you. I'm, I'm also, you know, I mean, well, I loved The Dark Knight. Batman Begins and Dark Knight Rises, I was just kind of like, meh. The other Batman, like, I haven't been like, ooh, really into a Batman film since Batman Returns. Mm. Dark Knight came close, but that was really more entirely because of Heath Ledger. Where- the movie, it was that performance. Right. Again, that's that's the kind of movie where they say a superhero film is only as strong as its villain, because I, it certainly was true there. I, I, I completely agree with that. But this one, like I said, no, this was a this was a whole different animal from from the very beginning. It was just like, all right, looks different. Do we have a different vibe? I'm liking this vibe. I like these characters. Okay, let's see what. Well, shit, rats. I was this just. The film made me happy. <laughs> yeah, which I don't even know was its intention. Oh, I'm sure that was. I can see I can uh, see I can see Reeves packing up the last reels is gonna go strike all the prints like they still do that. Show your age four, Scott. Um Yeah, I can just see him I just hope this makes Jeff happy. <laughs> I understand that. Okay. You know, I, I, I like Batman Begins, but it didn't make Batman an interesting character. It made Bruce Wayne an interesting character. This film actually made Batman interesting to me because in the in the scenes where he is emo Bruce Wayne, and there, as you point out, surprisingly few, you get the sense that it's early on. He's not entirely sure what he's doing. He's driven to do it, but he doesn't know mm-hmm. if he's doing it in the best way or even if it is, one, possible to do what he's trying to do, and two, if it ultimately will make any difference at all, or if he's just out there putting band-aids on things while the city's bleeding out. And that made Batman interesting to me. Also made Batman interesting to me because he was for once a detective. Not perfect, but pretty damn good and certainly better than the, the incredibly corrupt cops. And I love hard-boiled detective stuff. I like noir films where... 87th Precinct, man. 87th Precinct. Ed McBain, thanks you. <laughs> and and I like superhero films, and this this movie combined them in a very credible way. I mean, he did not throw a single batarang in the film. He didn't even seem to have any. He hadn't invented that yet. Yeah, he just punched people for the most part. He spent all his money on the car so far. Yeah, it was not a comically begadgeted Batman. He had a few things, and he would use them, you know, as get out of jail free cards, literally. Um, no shark repellent bat spray. No, simply. exactly. And I like that. It was a it was a different take. It it required him to rely on different skills, mental and physical. And it, for me, that was that was enough of a different take to make this worthwhile. And again, you mentioned the Gordon and Batman v Batman relationship. I liked it, and it was sketched in in a few deft brushstrokes. Now, granted, at this point, eighty years on, there's not much you really have to say to prep people for any given Batman movie. Like Commissioner Gordon, you don't have to introduce him. You know, in this case, he's he's still a cop. 
or really anybody. You don't have to. You don't have to introduce Alfred. You don't have to introduce any any member of Batman's Rose Gallery. But they let you know where they were at this period of time, pretty well. Like for instance, early on in the first scene where they they get the murdered mayor and Batman comes in because he was called out by the killer, and Gordon says something to the effect that two years I still don't know who you are, meaning you clearly don't trust me. Then later on, once it becomes obvious just how deep the corruption runs, including through the police department, mm-hmm. Gordon says to Batman, right now you're the only one I trust. It's not because he won him over with his winning personality and open-faced, endearing charms. It's because there's no choice. He's got to trust somebody because you can't watch your own back. So I like the way they did it. He's complaining about, you don't trust me. And then it's like, trust is all we have, man. And they didn't have to make a big deal out of it. Dramatically, it was just sewn into the fabric of the of the story, and I, I like that. Something you mentioned, it kind of set me off a little bit. One of the things that I really liked about the movie was there was sort of a little bit of a Batman trying to find some hope. Like maybe, bat, like like you said, you know, is he just putting Band-Aids on? You know, by the end of the film, he starts to think that maybe he's going to accomplish something. And then you have the cameo at the end. I like this. Almost like, it almost gives you a happy ending. Be like, nope, there's more shit coming. <laughs> and I like that. And not even as a setting up the Joker, but to me, I that didn't feel like, okay, how to describe this? At the end of Batman Begins, you know, when he flips over the Joker card, mm-hmm. you know, that just felt like sequel bait. It was. It was obviously sequel and, bait. I mean, but I mean, it, it, it felt like mm-hmm. sequel bait. That scene, the scene in The Batman, to me, it didn't feel like sequel bait. It legitimately, at least to me, it just it felt like the coda to the story it was like yeah you, you, you may think you may think you're starting to think you're doing some good but you're really not and this is going to prove it and that just that worked for me i mean i genuinely hope like supposedly matt reeves has said that like the one that he wants to use is uh he's got a decent and interesting take on mr freeze mm-hmm. which i'm like no i mean mr freeze can be done well it has happened Here's the thing and about Mr. I, Freeze. Mr. Freeze was ruined for me by Batman and Robin. And I will just note that of the many Batman movies that have been made, the only one we picked on in Better Living Through Bad Movies was Batman and Robin. That was one I wrote. And, and I was so. Yes, and, and I was particularly vicious in that in that particular review. Don't regret a word of it. And and you shouldn't. I yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I could have gone further with it. So Mr. Freeze is, is sort of inherently ridiculous. Now you can take any character, I mean Frank Gorshin's Riddler was inherently ridiculous. And you can twist it and turn it and tap it and tuck it and roll it. And it can come up with something different enough, but similar in essence, so that it justifies borrowing the name. But uh, I have no enthusiasm for Mr. Freeze. I feel it's the Joker is, is a dangerous way to go. I feel bad for anyone who would take on that role because the invidious comparisons to Heath Ledger's performance... Oh, are yeah. going to be legion. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you remember how much crap Ledger got online for daring to try to best the definitive Joker, Jack Nicholson's. I remember how much crap Michael Keaton got for accepting the role oh, of Batman. Geez, yeah, yeah. Fortunately, that was before the internet as we know it. <laughs> But the reason why, I mean, now Grant said this doesn't mean anything, but a name that was bandied about for Mr. Freeze. And I'm like, okay, this guy playing Mr. Freeze could be interesting. Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, fine. 
I don't care. Damn. To me, it's a terrible idea. Okay. Giancarlo Esposito, especially after after seeing his work in The Mandalorian, can come in and kill anything. I I have no doubt he would come in. He would kill it. He would be great. But I just I just don't care. That's my Jeff Holland take on the upcoming sequel. I just don't care. And I had a very different take on the sequel bait too in this movie because it didn't seem like it was a rebuke to Batman's fumbling toward hope towards symbolizing something better than than fear and vengeance because what i think that that's that that's sad if, if they give the character a necessary epiphany that will inform him going forward and then just pull the rug out 10 seconds later to me that's rude also it was almost like the batman got as happy an ending as he can because he can't ever get a completely happy ending because there would be no right. end to crime but the riddler got a happy ending because here's this guy who's lived his whole life alone, invisible to everybody. And now he's in a place where he has a friend. They use a riddle to get there, but they could not be more explicit in saying, you know, you're, you found your people. It's like when I wandered into the drama room in high school for the first time. Go, oh, here's the weirdos I've been looking for. He is committed to Arkham. And immediately, yes, yes, you're one of us. Please join us. Gobble 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 gobble. Bring time for Hitler. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. We're you're just in time. We, we need someone to play Charlotte Cray in our production of Marat Sun. One day I will direct that show, and I will do whatever I need to do to get across the country to see that because it will be fucking insane. I have a complete concept oh, I know for, for a production of Marat Saad. I so want to do that show, <laughs> and it's interesting because. To a certain extent, every Batman movie is an adaptation of Marat's side. It is, it is a play being put on by madhouse inmates. Everybody in it, for the most part, is crazy. Your main character is deranged. There, yes. There's no other way to put it. He is a benign form of mental illness, obsession, mania, whatever you want to call it, but it's not healthy. And all the people he beats up, metal patients uh, and frankly anyone who lives in the gotham of these movies can't be right in the head either and there have been a couple of batman musicals so oh my god you're right batman and marat sod are the same thing mm-hmm. i'm glad we settled that whoa man i thought my beauty and the beast and silence of the lambs were the same thing was daring you're you're we're we're we're, we're crossing some uh theories here man and not just some time zones like usual <laughs> All right, time for the fascinating, irritating aspect of the Batman. No, that's a, I like that the Batman. That's what that's what I'm calling it from now on. The Batman. No one can stop you. No, well they can, but it would it would it would cause the pain. Um, I will go first because I feel like it. Uh, the fascinating, <laughs> the fascinating thing. I'm glad we have a system. Yes. Hey, you made me host this one, son. Yeah, I did. I did. The, the 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 fascinating thing for me is I love. I just this is gonna this is so cheesy, but it's true. I love how they're going. Yeah, if I get a sequel, this is gonna. I'd like to do this. Everyone's talking about if 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 we. There's already. They were planning a trilogy originally. They always think. I don't want to say think positively. It's more like thinking greedily. 
it just makes me laugh. It's, it, it, I know I should put I know I should put that in the irritating thing, but it doesn't irritate me. It makes me giggle. <laughs> so I just I'm, I'm uh, I am fascinated by the media machine at work. Let's put it that way. Irritating thing. Honestly, again, this is this is pure nitpicky. I would have liked more penguin. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad we're getting the. I'm glad we're getting the show. I will. That's it. That is a spinoff. I will definitely watch. But I would have had no. Would have had no problem whatsoever with like one more Colin Farrell scene. Yeah. Oh, and special shout out to the music too. I know I'm. I'm going to say his name wrong, but Michael Giacono. Is it Giacono? Is it, is it pronounced Giacono? Close enough. Okay, close enough for government work. Fucking great score. Great theme. I was happy. Go. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I. Uh... I mean, things that I, I think could have irritated me, but didn't because they worked out, just right. makes just makes me sound like I'm risk averse. Like, okay, you're going to make a, a movie about a guy who dresses up as a bat and fights crime. And everyone he fights is either wearing weird makeup or they've got their own costume or whatever. Then you solve the murder of Wayne's parents, and it's just some guy in a suit, not even a weird pinstripe suit with spats. It's just a regular, nice, bespoke ensemble. Okay, so we solved that mystery, and I kind of prefer the universe in which the Wayne's murder was never solved, because that sort of explains why he's continually driven. There will be no no relief right. for him. So it got solved. You could almost say, you could almost say oh, he pulls this, the cowl off. Okay, I'm done. Peace out. At the same time, in this movie, it worked. It worked that... Turo's character, Carmine Falco, got his comeuppance, and he had comeuppance coming from every angle. Right. He was owed comeuppance from Batman. He was owed comeuppance from his daughter, Catwoman, which, I, you know, I was fine with that. Uh, some people are irritated by that. I don't know why. It worked perfectly well, and it, it got her into the milieu. And it's in one of the comics. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure one of the backstories that was established at that time. Yeah, and a lot true. of what people are, people are <laughs> complaining about, because it didn't feel like a comic book movie, I, I think that's ill-informed because a lot of the narrative threads were taken from one comic book run or another. But I just want to tell people to get used to it because we're going to probably see more of this. We're going to see more contained, low-key, semi-realistic kind of superhero films, if only because that's counter-programming to Marvel. Because Marvel keeps going big. And here's my irritating thing. The one time this movie tried to go big, the very end, the the flooding the city mm-hmm. sequence was just kind of odd and stupid and felt kind of cheap. It's like, okay, let's get everybody into the Superdome. Let's try to create some sort of emotional resonance with, with uncomfortable memories of Hurricane Katrina. And then we'll have all of our characters located in one little spot. So it'll be easy for the Batman to have his epiphany and change and that we can all go home because it's been like three hours. If his notion is that the the city is being ravaged by these wealthy vultures who all live traditionally in in the the highest parts of a city, usually up on the hill, not near the water, he all he did was drown the poor, the people he was ostensibly concerned about. Like any other insane mania, his so-called reasoning was just a rationalization for the the kind of violence he wanted to unleash. I just thought that was sort of... I don't know. It it seemed cheap and a, a little silly. I don't know. It just didn't, that didn't entirely work for me. I mean, I, I gave it a mulligan, but I, right. 
I feel like they just we got to end the movie. We got to end it. We got to end it relatively yeah. cheaply. Fascinating to me. Again, th- this is not anything to do with the movie because I talked about what I found fascinating in the film. It's how much it seems to have resonated for a movie that is this dark and this long. It could just be that people had been waiting for so long to go back to the theater. But it's not the first big movie that's that's come out. I mean, maybe it just hit it right at exactly the right time when Omicron was fading and people thought, okay, we, we, we have a brief break between variants. Let's go to the movies now. Or if there's something about this film that really drew people in. I'm sure they are desperately trying to figure that out in the executive suites at Warner Brothers because this is the kind of performance that they'd like their movies to rack up. A lot of it's been middling successes, minor disappointments, but this is clearly a huge success and has buffed up the brand quite a bit. So I wonder, the people who liked this movie, how they're going to react to, say, The Flash when that finally comes out. You've got like three different Batman in it. Because then it goes back to, okay, he's, he's a comic book character rather than a specific character in this movie. That's what I found interesting. Most Batman movies, it's like, okay, it's a Batman movie. You go to see Batman be Batman. To me, this was a, a dark thriller that had Batman in it. Because a lot of what Batman does yep. could have been done by anybody not wearing a costume. Yep. Doesn't mean that they didn't use the costume well. I mean, there are some shots where, yeah, he's scary as hell coming out of the shadows. But a lot of what he's doing, especially when he's with the cops or with Gordon or questioning witnesses, could have just been wearing a nice, a nice sport coat. Now, I just got the image of uh, Robert Pattinson in the nice sport coat, but still with the black yeah, under his yeah. eyes. Which, you know, I mean, that's, that's some, some guys can pull off a lot of heavy eye makeup. I can't. I, I yeah, I, I cannot see you. God. I just, I can't see I you. I look like Tammy Faye Baker. <laughs> with the beard. So, <laughs> which I guess is, is what uh, Jim was for her, Jim Baker. Oh, 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 and on that note, that was the Batman, not a Batman, that was the Batman. Um, We shall see you soon when we'll talk about something else. Until later. Later. It was the Batman until another Batman comes out, and then it's going to become that Batman. It's going to be like Marlo Thomas in that Batman. Batman!